In March of 1980, I was a sports-crazed 15-year-old that was playing and watching plenty of sports. I would often hang out with my like-minded second cousins, Mike and Danny Boley. Their mom was my cousin, Tina, and her husband was Wayne. Wayne was then a successful attorney, but I knew he had been an all-conference basketball player and an all-American volleyball player at what was then Loyola University in Los Angeles in the 1960s. But on this weekend, Wayne was more than a man who practiced law or who was an all-star athlete. He was the guy who was taking me to attend my first ever NCAA men's basketball tournament. I was going to Tempe, Arizona for some March Madness. I'm a Venice, California-born, Los Angeles-based sports fan, one that has played, coached, announced, and promoted sports my whole life. My love affair with sports started in my own backyard and has led me to this podcast. Thanks to the support of the Amateur Athletic Union in East Bay, I'm excited to bring you Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Hello, sports historians. I hope everybody's okay. Let's keep grinding to beat down COVID-19. We can do it together. Welcome to Audio Video Podcast, episode number 32 of Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. It's the top video podcast in the Sentinel Adobe Corridor. Now, you think I just made that up, but that moniker has been verified. I trust you listened to last Thursday's podcast where the phrase top video podcast in the Sentinel Adobe Corridor was mentioned on a reputable Midwest radio station. And how about this from New York Times bestselling author Wayne Coffey on our Monday Facebook Live show. By the way, I want you to know, Denny, tonight we're not only, uh, your, your audience is not only in the Sentinella Adobe Corridor, <laughs> there, there is a visitor who I happen to know is watching from Saranac Lake, New York, which is in the shadow of Lake Placid where it was snowing today. Clearly you've made the right choice to join us and are part of the movement that has exploded out of the CAC. Before I get too far down the corridor, let me introduce the producer of today's show, the director of the FBL 5 slate of shows. You know, she was also the assistant coach of the 2000 St. Mark's School Girls Basketball Los Angeles Catholic Youth Organization Championship Team. She's my quarantine partner for life. My wife, Christine Jimbo. Hi, everybody. I'm here to remind you of those three things and three things that will get you to us anywhere. We'd like you to like us, subscribe to us, make comments, repost, do all those things you need to do, and these three things will get you there. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. That's Denny like the restaurant, Lennon like the beetle. SportsStoriesPodcast.com and SportsStoriesDL to reach us on Twitter. Once again, like and subscribe and repost to your heart's content. You know, my Twitter account had a 10% growth over the past week. Thanks to that big audience we have for our FBL 5 Friday show, where the 1995 UCLA basketball champion Toby Bailey appeared. So that's nice, but I really got to do better on my Twitter account. So please follow me at Sports Stories DL. I have some uh, unique and fun ideas coming soon to the account. I'll also be doing some giveaways. So if you don't have a Twitter account, it's easy to get one. And if you do have one, I hope you follow me at Sports Stories DL. Giveaways are the key to life. Free things. Always. And uh, I think I got a few. Nice. 
So, um, after years of cheering while watching my UCLA Bruins on TV as they secured NCAA basketball title after title in the 60s and 70s, I was actually going to get to go to the NCAA basketball tournament. Thanks to Wayne Boley, my guest for these next three episodes, I would get to attend one of the regionals in person in Tempe, Arizona. It wouldn't be to see UCLA, who incidentally that year made a run to the finals, but to see Wayne's alma mater, Loyola Marymount. LMU would lose in that 1980 regional to Arizona State in the first round. Fat Lever and Byron Scott were just too much for the Lions. But that was secondary to getting to hang out with other players, staying in the same hotel as us for those regionals. Myself, Mike, and Danny made friends with the likes of Clark Kellogg and Herb Williams from Ohio State with Mark Aguirre from DePaul. It was surreal for us, and those guys loved that we had plenty of pizza to go around. Ten years later in 1990, LMU would make a much deeper run in the NCAAs. This was after the tragic death of Hank Gathers that was just before those playoffs. Wayne Boley in 1990 would serve as the lead attorney for Loyola Marymount when the Gathers family sued the school. That part of the story, Wayne will address in future episodes. This episode, we learned that Wayne had great days as a top athlete at Culver City High School in California and then at Loyola University in Los Angeles. He also found time to have some fun that landed him in trouble with his principal in high school and with the law in college. But he had mentors that helped him and opened up new worlds to him, just like he did for me when I was 15. Now from the 7428 studio in Westchester, California, let's welcome the former Culver City Centaur standout and two sports star from Loyola University in Los Angeles, Wayne Foley. Please note this interview was recorded on March 2nd, 2020. Am I gonna shoot it again? Yes. Yeah, you did. <laughs> now the all-conference selection. <laughs> Loyola. It's <laughs> a big shot, Wayne. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Marley's on it. <laughs> Bam. That's it, baby. That's it. <laughs> right. Cool, Wayne. As right, you can see. This is a seat of honor right here. And everything. Well, thanks for coming. Sure. This is great. Um, hopefully, we can we can uh, do a little bit of background <laughs> on you and and find out a little bit about your athletic career, and then talk a little bit about. We were over at the um, statue unveiling the other day, so it'd be great to get some of your insight on that. All right. Um, Marley's producing today. Hi. Way to go, Mar. <laughs> so, um, Wayne, I I think uh, I read where you might, you're born in New York, state of. Brooklyn, 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 New York. Okay, so what there for? I was there till uh, 1948. So I was there five years, and okay. then uh, I remember I'll never forget. My mom said we're leaving. My dad had left early and, and come out here to find a home and some and a business to to support the family. And uh, we went to the airport, and, and I didn't want to get on the plane. My mother told me not to worry. This plane is not going up in the air. It's going to go on the ground all the way. <laughs> So that's the first lie, the only lie my mother ever told me. Nice. Um, your uh, your long love affair with sports started in what the park leagues in Culver City? Yeah, I, when I I was probably eight eight years old, mm -hmm. um, eight or nine years old. I got on my bike 
I rode to, to Vets Park from where I lived in Culver City mm-hmm. and saw this team uh, practicing, and they were older than, than I was. They were probably 12, mm-hmm. 12 or 13. Um, and um, I talked to the park director and told him I wanted to play. He said, well, you're awfully little and you're young. You come back. I said, I really want to play now. I'm a, I'm a good athlete. And he ended up uh, endearing me to the team, and they let me play, and I played short center field Okay. for the team that won the Culver City oh. Midget Championships and back, this is 1951, maybe? Oh, wow. How did you, uh, you're that young, um, you had the gumption to walk right up to the guy and say, hey. I, I was pl- playing baseball, Denny, from the time I was four years old. My dad was an ex-baseball player. And okay. And uh, and when I wasn't playing with him, I was playing in the front yard, throwing balls against the steps, sure. trying to catch them, uh, throwing balls up in the air, pretending that I was uh, Carl Ferrillo catching a fly ball in right field. So it was it was it, sports primarily has been ninety eight percent of my 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 act my life outside of my family and work. Did um did you have uh, any memories of the Brooklyn Dodgers being a fan of that because you're oh, yeah. really young oh, but no. you know I mean uh, you know my my dad who was was a Dodger uh, all the way in fact um, he had, he was a great great pitcher he even tried out for the Dodgers really yeah my dad tried out for the Dodgers and he the story goes that he had his he was in spring training and he uh, was pitching to Hack Wilson of the mm-hmm. Chicago Cubs. RBI who, hit, record. who hit a line drive back, at, and my father instinctively raised his hand up. The ball hit him in his right hand, broke an eardrum, mm. and broke his hand in about four places. Whoa. That was the end of his major league uh, wow. career tryout because he did pitch after that. He pitched for these teams that, that in those days, they used to have, like, they call them similar to what we have as club teams mm-hmm. today. Like traveling and, he would play one weekend. He'd pitch for the fire department against the police. The next weekend, he'd pitch for the police <laughs> against the fire department. So uh, he, t- he told me one other story. Um, uh, um, I'm trying to remember. I believe I believe it was Ty Cobb. But if it wasn't Ty Cobb, it was one of those all-time greats. Had a sister who okay. was a, who was a great player, and uh, she came to town. And there was all hoopla about her playing against the, against the men, and my father happened to be on the mound that day, hmm. and <clears throat> anyway he struck her out the first two times he faced her, so she came up for the third time and the manager came out to my dad and he said you've got to let her hit, people are here to see her hit and he says if you want her to hit, put another pitcher, in. <laughs> and uh, uh, he he said that the manager in fact did in fact take him out put somebody else in. So that the crowd could be pleased, because he wasn't about to let her hit. <laughs> um, you know, he could have taken the shot from a worse guy. Hack Wilson was was a legendary player. Like I think he set the all-time RBI record. 190 R- RBIs in 1930. Same year, he had 56 home runs. Wow, no, that that record still stands. The RBI record. I think stands. it still stands, right? It does. Yeah, it does. yeah fact, that's, there, that's crazy a, to hold a, a record that long. There's a little bit of an asterisk because he always thought he had 191. <laughs> And they took one away from him for some reason. <laughs> I remember reading reading that story. So you're um, you're playing in the in the park leagues there, right? Um, 
primarily baseball, or did they also have like basketball and and flag football or at anything? At that like age, that? at that age, it was only it was only softball. I played softball. Uh, okay. Yeah, I only played uh, probably from age nine, ten, eleven. I didn't touch a basketball until the fifth grade. Didn't mm. even know what basketball was until the fifth grade. In fact, one of my high school teammates, uh, who was all CIF, we all we went to grammar school together, and I can remember in the fifth grade, he beat three of us by himself. And um, uh, that's that's when I started, and that's when I picked the sport up and continued to play. What elementary school? Culver Grammar School. Culver Grammar. And then did you go straight to the middle school after that? Culver Grammar, Culver Junior High, Culver High School. So what's some of the uh, things you remember about checking in at Culver High School? You must have been excited to get on some teams with good uniforms. and. Yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was interesting because I had... Uh, I'd grown. Uh, I was probably six, two maybe by mm. the by the start. I started my tenth grade. In those days, high school was ten, eleven, and twelve. Ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah. So, uh, the, the high school varsity coach uh, had recruited uh, uh, the us, myself, uh, Tom McPherson, um, to play in the high school the varsity summer league. Oh right. So as a ninth grader in the summer, I'm playing uh, varsity summer league basketball, and then. Um, uh, the season started. I never thought I would play varsity as a sophomore, but I did. Uh, I got s- selected. It was Tom and myself and one other 10th uh, grader that were selected to play varsity basketball as a 10th um, grader. Wow. And how how the how are the centaurs? Were they centaurs then? Centaurs. They're always the centaurs. Um, and um, we were average um to better than average, maybe third or fourth place in the league my sophomore year. And my junior and senior year, we won the league. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. won the league and beat uh, some very prominent. Uh, Keith Erickson, who went to El Segundo. El Segundo, High yeah. school was one of my friends that I competed against in high school. Oh, wow. Um, concurrent with, I think, Gail Goodrich in those days? Was he at, was he out at Sun Poly or something like that? Goodrich was at Poly High School. Yeah. So he was a big-time player out there, I guess. He was a but, – but again – and this is a prejudicial, a prejudicial comment. City basketball, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is a lot different than CIF basketball. Yep. And and to their detriment, they don't have the they they don't have the financial support mm-hmm. that CIF schools did. So oftentimes, you know, some of these great players like uh, like Goodrich, although he he got his accolades, he was a very good high school player, obviously, mm-hmm. and and now he's a Hall of Fame. Yeah. NBA oh player. yeah. He could score. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, I do my research, Wayne. Yeah. I'm a researcher <laughs> by nature. He doesn't do the research. <laughs> um, Teresa does the research. I was hoping you'd fill me in on the snowball dance your senior year. 1961 snowball. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, actually, it was 1960 because it turned 61 in January. Okay. So, I'm. Um, we had just played El Segundo in the Pacific Shores tournament. Oh, yeah. Pac Shores. And... Um, we we beat them by about 18, 20 points. I scored 26 points. Wow. Tom, uh, my teammate, the kid I mentioned earlier, scored 29 points. And uh, we went through them like poop through a goose. Got some all, <laughs> you get all tournament? Uh, and I, I don't remember. Did because, they do that? Because they, they did have an all tournament, but we lost the next game okay. to Glendale, who had four Division One players on their wow. team. They had the... Um, Oh, there's a, there's a, three brothers who played um, um, 
Sutherland. Okay. There's Gary Sutherland and his older brother, who who was a great pitcher. Also, he went, they all went to they all went to Stanford. Oh wow! And played there. Okay. And a kid named Mitchell Tree, and and anyway, they were very good, and they beat us in the semifinals. So, if anyone would have made all tournament, it probably would have been Tom. Okay. If you get to the finals, you can get two or three kids, but yeah. in semis, you only get one. So the answer is no. So then. Uh, to get back to the snowball, <laughs> the next tournament we played in was the Beverly Hills tournament mm. the, at the swim gym. At the swim gym. And as fate would have it, uh, we're playing El Segundo in the quarter or semifinals of the okay. tournament. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. It's, it's, you know, there was a movie made called Fate is the Hunter. If you, okay. if you want to talk about fate, I'll explain it to you in just a second. All right. So the day before our game, um, or two days before our game, our game was on Friday, I get a call from one of my dear high school friends. His name was John Hampton. And John Hampton was going steady with a girl that I had gone to school with from kindergarten to the 12th grade. Okay. She was one of my best friends. Her name, maiden name was Sheila Benson. He calls me up and he says, Wayne, I need you to do me a favor. And I said, what? He said, I need you to take Sheila to the snowball because I have to work. Mm-hmm. And I said, John, I, I don't want to do that. I want to. I don't want to go to the dance. And he goes, you have to do it, please. She really wants to go. So I called her up to see if I could dissuade her. And she <laughs> said, Wayne, I really would like to go. John is such a jerk for doing this. He doesn't need the money. I don't know why he has to work. So I said, all right, I'll take you. So... Fast forward now to the game. The game is the day of the dance. At the swim gym. At the swim gym. We play El Segundo. Our coach made one of the few mistakes he's ever made in his coaching life, and I, I love my high school coach. Uh, he was like a, a, a surrogate uh, older brother or father to me. Um, Dale, Goodyear. Dale Goodyear. Dale Goodyear. Right? Is that him? Uh, yes. That's From him with the, the with the towel. That's him. Yeah. That's him, and that, those are three of my teammates. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, three of my teammates. That's great. Okay. Uh, so, um, he leaves me in the game, and I foul out in the first half. Whoa! Wow. And the two of the calls were. Did he horrible. lose track, or did he just trust that you wouldn't get no, another call? No, he, he he thought I was. He knew that, that to beat them, we had to play, you know, play well. And cause, okay. And this was a revenge factor for, for us them. beating them in the Shores tournament. So the game's over. We lose. We lose the game, and I'm in the shower. And Keith comes in. Keith mm-hmm. Erickson comes in from the other side and starts laughing. Says, hey, nice nice game, Wayne. He says, fouled out in the first half. I, he said, what what the heck was wrong with you? And I said, uh, you know, I just, I, I've got to go to this dumb school dance. And he goes, I started laughing again. He said, have a great time. So I ended up going to... Uh, Interesting because the girl who had the party, the pre-party to the high school dance, mm-hmm. was high school hasn't changed much. No, the pre-party <laughs> was one of these girls that starred in. She was she was incredibly beautiful, and she was in those all those beach blanket bingo sure. movies. Her name Frankie Avalon, and her name was her, her acting name was Patty Chandler, huh. and her real name was Patty Lauderback. Okay, and she was our homecoming queen, and um, who I took by the way to the. To the uh, oh, look at you! You're the, like you're uh, like Kobe dating a starlet t- to your prom. I took her. I took her to our uh, uh, 
our not our homecoming dance. It was the it was what do they call it? What's the what do they call the dance at the end of the year? It's the uh, the prom. The prom. I took her to the prom. Anyway, it'd have been impressive if she Sadie Hawkins. So I go I, here. <laughs> I was I was six that time. I'm six four, 170 pounds, and I had a glass of champagne mm-hmm. at her house and one beer. And we go to the dance, and as fate would have it, we're we go, we're sitting at a table, and the table had two alumnus from the previous year. Okay. Great athletes from Culver High, who the girls had asked to take them to the dance. <laughs> okay. And I'm sitting there, the six of us, and one of those, one of them was John Phillips, who was uh, all CIF football player lineman, <laughs> who became a judge uh, up in uh, Monterey County, Salinas, and Pat Brosnan who went to Cal State Long Beach and broke every record there was receiving. First he went to Santa Monica College. He ended up playing Canadian pro football, and sadly he passed away at the age of 20, 20 or 21, oh, of prostate okay. prostate cancer. Jeez. So they're sitting at this table with me, and they're egging me on. We had a tray of cookies in the center of the table. <laughs> and they're saying, you can't hit the principal. And he was probably 30, 40 feet away. And they kept egging me on, egging me on. So funny, I picked a cookie up. And I threw it, and I hit him right in the chest. Oh, my gosh. And (laughs) he gets up, sees me standing up, like there's the man who who perpetrated this assault, (laughs) and comes over, and he he could sense that I had been drinking, whether it was my breath or what it was, pulled me out of the dance. And now here's the, here's by by today's standards, what happened to me was one of the most egregious actions ever taken. He was a brand new principal. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he was trying to make example. an example of me, and he asked me that he would go easier on my punishment if I would tell him who had the party and where the party was. Oh, goodness. I wouldn't do that. So here's what he did to me. He suspended me so from th- school. This is a turn. You're on the stand here. He <laughs> suspended me from school for two weeks, told my teachers I had to get an F for every day I was out, wow. and that the highest grade I could atta- attain was a C. He threw me off the basketball team, wow. said you can never play basketball again this year, and I was a senior. What the heck? He, I was in the Senior Honor Society. He, he took my sweater away, threw me out of that. Jeez. I was president of the Blue Sea, which is the Letterman's Club. He, he threw me out of that. The only thing he didn't throw me out of was an off-campus club that I was a member of, <laughs> which he couldn't do anyway. So now here I am. Golly, my, that's, my life, that's my highly life, punitive. My life is, I thought my life was basically over. So for two weeks, I was going to Santa Monica College, and I'd meet these guys, and they would have lunch, and they'd come in, and they'd laugh at me, and these are the same two guys that <laughs> they told, told you to, to do it? To throw the cookie. So um, um, I end up eventually going back to school, and while I'm in, in school, and I'm telling you this because I think this is so important, I can remember writing a couple of. Uh, uh, stories to kids that had, had fallen on bad times, explaining to them mm-hmm. what happened to me and and how I turned it around in hopes that they would turn it around. Um, my coach comes up, pulls me out of class, and he says, "I've got a list of all your classes. I just want you to follow me." And one by one, he took me into the class with the, and talked to the teacher during class and said, "Listen, this young man has a chance to play." College basketball at a very high level. Wow. But he will not be able to play if you don't give him the grade he earns. He will not be able to get into the school. So I'm asking you to disregard the principal's instructions. My goodness. 
and give him the grade that he earns. Don't give him the grade that the principal told you you must give him. Jeez. Five out of my, four out of my five, there's a PE, they gave me an A. Four out of my five teachers gave me the grade I earned, and one who was afraid of the principal gave me a C. So I had A's, all A's and B's, and, and one C, and I was able to get into and that, Loyola. And that moved your whole Loyola, life forward. I was able to get into Loyola University. But it goes even further. I, I, when I said fate is the hunter, we were talking about this. My wife and I, Tina, my wife of 54 years, um, had I not thrown that cookie, had I not been suspended from the basketball team, mm-hmm. I might have. I was offered three scholarship offers without playing my senior year: Loyola University, Cal State Long Beach, and Pepperdine. Mm. And for some reason, I, ch- I chose Loyola. I think the main reason was the head coach was my U.S. history teacher, Art? Um, John Art. Yeah, John Art, who's still a very good friend of mine. And um, so he was high school teacher at Culver City, Culver but City. then he was and he head was coaching. Coach. Okay. Well, he was the, no, he was the freshman coach when I he see. taught, and then he got the head coaching job. And, I he was, and the athletic director's job, taking over for Billy Donovan, and then he quit teaching. But you may not have chose. Well, I may have. I may have gotten yeah. offers. For, I may have been better player that mm-hmm. other schools looked at, and and I would never have met my wife. I never. I wouldn't be here today. <laughs> right, right, right. So lucky you. It's, uh, <laughs> Look at, it's, it's all. Uh, it's all led up to this point. I right? call that fate. Fate is the hunter. It, that just, is, it turned out to be a blessing rather than than something horrific. And it's also a really important. Um, you know, just example of how important coaches are sometimes because they see the student outside of the classroom engaging in something else and giving the best they have in another area, and they can see that part of them. And so then it's it's important in that they also mentor them in a whole different way sometimes than teachers or other people in your life do. We interrupt this podcast to bring you a commercial from our sponsor, Casablanca. Casablanca Restaurant in Venice, California. Proud sponsor of Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Also sponsoring the Facebook Live at Five Friday show. Margaritas. That's right. Carlos is kind enough at Casablanca to uh, package up like a to-go, what they're selling, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to-go. What, uh, what is in it? It's like the taco it's a bar? daily deal. He does basically a taco bar with... Two different meats, beans, rice, uh, tortillas. It's fantastic. Brilliant. And then you throw in the margaritas with that. And if you watch our uh, Friday show, you'll see that we cheers one another. He sends one over to uh, Venice where Marley and the Rices are hosting part of the show over here to the 7428 studio. And where any we do local it. guests. And any local guests. Doug O'Neill. Benefit as well. Doug O'Neill, the uh, Triple Crown winner, horse trainer, is a new big fan. So, you know, thank you, Carlos. You can call Carlos. At 310-505-5091. Again, 310-505-5091. Call Carlos. Ask him for the Sports Stories with Denny Lennon special. He's going to throw in margaritas or a big percentage off. Vámonos a Casablanca. Vámonos a Casablanca. Vámonos a Casablanca. La comida para la familia. Vámonos a Casablanca. Vámonos a Casablanca. And now back to our interview. Without a doubt, he, uh, uh, I mean, he didn't have to do what he did. Right. Uh, he he no did fault. it. I mean, it was unsolicited by me. I mean, I wasn't even thinking of that. 
and he just came in and pulled me out of class. And, and he's a legendary guy there, right? Like, with he me sure eventually. is. The gym is. I, I I spoke at the. The gym is named after him. It's yeah, called the Dell. Right. It's called the Dell. And it's, one of, it's like built in the aviation era, kind of, isn't it? Almost built like a hangar. Yeah, it's a it's a small gym, uh, uh-huh. small gym with seating on only one side. Yeah, right. And right. Um, uh, they've never, for some reason, no bond issues. Nothing has ever happened to where yeah. they they've leveled that or made that the girls' gym and built a bigger gym. But it's still there. They have a same great, place. They have a great program. Like their football team is off the charts lately. Their football team is, is excellent and Goodyear's son is one of the one of the coaches. Oh, isn't that team. great? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's He's a neat great. lineage. So you had to um Loyola. I had to Loyola. You hadn't been you'd been a public school kid. Was any of the you know, the fact that that's a religious school did that Open your eyes to anything, well, no, or that, weigh on you at all. It, it, the only thing that bothered me was was coming from a from a public grammar school. I, I signed the application. I was a, a Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. I signed that, but if you're a Catholic, you have to go to religion class all four years, every semester. You must take a religion class. Well, I've never. I mean, other than going to uh, first holy getting first holy communion classes and confirmation classes at Saint Augustine's, which okay. is I did that, but these guys were all taking religion coming from all the Catholic high schools. 60, yeah. 50% of the kids that go there are coming from Catholic high schools. So at that time, and it was an all, it was all men, there were no women. And uh, I, as I sit back and think about that, I wonder how could that not dissuade me from going there? But it, for some reason... Did you have to do the CCD classes when you were in elementary school? I did. You did? I, I did. used to blame everything on the CCD kids to my <laughs> teachers. Anytime I was missing an assignment or, you know, didn't have my pencil box or something, I'd go, it's, it's, it's those CCD kids from the public schools, sister. Uh, it's, it's amazing, but the um, uh, the school itself, you know, and I have uh, I have grammar school, high school, college, business friends that I still associate with. Yeah, uh, it's just my personality that that I stay involved. In fact, the end of this month, I'm going. we're going down one of our high school friends. In fact, he's in that picture. Mm. Uh, moved to Long Beach, and we're going to go see his house. There's four of us. We're going to drive down and see his Isn't house. Isn't that great? Yeah. Tell me about, um, now you're, this, this is when, of course, um, in collegiate sports, freshmen didn't play on the varsity. Correct. So your so you're ninth grade year, did they have a freshman team that you played on? I did. They did. And so um, was was John Arndt the coach of that, or had no, he already been promoted? He had been promoted, mm-hmm. and Art uh, Bell, hmm. uh, former player there, became the freshman coach. He was my coach. Um, and then once you get to your sophomore year, um, you seemed you seemed ready to go because you had some good stats ready there, Wayno. I had some great stats as a freshman too. I remember I made all tournament at the Pasadena freshman tournament. Um, I was a second leading scorer on the team. Uh, Dick McCloskey was the leading scorer, and um, so understanding and knowing me and knowing my mentality is important for this point. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I am. Now you go from the freshman team to the varsity, mm-hmm. and and I'm counting the guys on the varsity because they only take ten to travel, mm. and I'm counting and I'm saying I've got I want to make that traveling team I want to make that traveling team so bad, mm-hmm. and I was on full scholarship as was most of everybody on that team, so I'm counting and I get to nine people that I know are going to be for sure on it, and then there's the three freshmen sure. That that Dick Schindler, who uh, turned out to be a great college player, Dick McCloskey, 
myself. And then there was another kid, uh, his name was Ron Miller, uh, who was all CIF. Okay. And I, Oh, and I'm going to tell you an interesting story. So now, as a freshman, uh, this just came back to me. The first day of practice, the coach lines us all up on the baseline. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm your coach, and I'm Art Bell, and what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to step out, give me your name, and tell me any basketball accolades, awards uh, that, that you think are relevant for okay. me to know. Okay. And I'm probably, there's, lot. Pro- there's probably 18, 18 kids there trying out for the freshman team, and I'm number 17 in line. And the first kid stands, goes up and says, my name is Hugh Foley. I was first team All-State from Montana. Mm. And I'm going, oh my God, All-State. <laughs> and then we're going down, another kid stepped out and said, I was Second team all CIF. I went to a school called Avalon High School. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to these guys, all league, all school. And out came, came to me and I stepped forward and I said, I played uh, two years of varsity basketball at Culver City High School. That's all I said. <laughs> and I said back, well, it, it, I quickly learned that uh, the kid who made all CIF uh, from Avalon High School would not start on my JV team in high school. Yeah. That's how we put up numbers there at Avalon playing and, and, Mary Star. And being all state in Montana, uh, had I, my parents moved to Montana, I'm sure I would have been all state. <laughs> but um, right. Uh, anyway, it was it was an eye yeah. opener to see all these guys with all these all these awards, and here I was. Actually, what you what you may not know is when I started LMU, I was on a half basketball, half baseball scholarship. Right. <clears throat> and after the first year, I asked him to please. Uh, you know, is there some way you can? Because by the time basketball was over, and I went out to the baseball field, the season was half over. That's going to say, yeah, they've already played games. They start in they start in November practicing. Yeah. And by March, their season is. That's tough know, to two, do that. Yeah. In college. So he said. Um, and your and your true love was basketball. True love was basketball mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. So he said, "That's fine. We'll give you a full basketball scholarship," which I had, and then I then I started playing volleyball thanks to your cousin, my brother-in-law. That. And, and because you had the the spring open, I had the spring open, and it was like probably a club sport there at the time, or no, it was the volleyball. They, just first collegiate volleyball teams uh, had started. In fact, in the in the '64 nationals, uh, Santa Monica College won it. Yes, and they won. They won five it. out of the first six or something because they, they probably they had all the '64. They just started like two years earlier, so I picked the sport up very quickly, uh, and. Um, uh, played played with with uh, your cousin, my brother-in-law, uh, um, who started the team. So uh, did a little digging, Wayne, as you know, yeah. big researcher. <laughs> Notice uh, over your career, okay, you go all conference one of your years. Correct, my sophomore mm-hmm. year, and uh, pretty solid. You know, you always seem to be about the third leading scorer. I I I think I. I average close to ten points a game. Yeah. I think you're right. You're right in that area, and pretty decent field goal percentage, forty-one percent from the floor. Wow. But I do have to take you a task on something. Okay, go ahead. I have a lot of respect for you. I always have. I know. And what I it really is. would have thought you were more like a 80, 90 percent free throw shooter. And, and I'm seeing sixty-eight point one way. And and I just I, no, I, 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 I you know I circled it and I said you're going to need to I'm need to confront this. At the age this. of seventy-six, I think I could shoot a better percentage than that. <laughs> Did you go underhanded? He didn't even no. I, well, I did go underhanded the last game of the year. Did you really <laughs> just for fun uh, against USF? Again, the last game of the year. <laughs> no, um, looking around too, it seemed like um, Loyola was pretty strong 
when Jerry Grote was there? Grody. He, he, Grody. He was a good player, looked like. Jerry Grody was a great player, yeah. college player. Yeah. Drafted by the Lakers. Right, didn't play right. Much. In fact, that's how I met Jerry West. Through him? Through him. Um, and Jerry West, I I don't know if I, I forget if I relayed this to you, but um, while I was at Archer, he came to speak to everybody there. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And he got out and I said, hello. And he goes, so you're one of the Lennons. And I said, yeah. And he said something about Wayne. And I said, oh. yeah, Wayne tells me he beats you regular in poker. <laughs> and he goes, oh, really? He said that. I suppose he told you he beats me in golf too. <laughs> so I want to uh, get this straight now, Wayne, on record. Golf. He's a very good golfer. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Very good golfer uh, and a good friend. And yeah, I met him, uh, uh, you may or may not know this, but when the Lakers when West Baylor, Tommy Hawkins, mm-hmm. Jimmy King, when the, when, when the Lakers were there, they, all, they practiced at LMU. I do remember okay. that. Um, Dick Gass took me to their practices when I was eight years old. The and shout out to my godfather for doing that. I, it, it cemented in me that <clears throat> adoration of both the like Laker brand, these great guys. And, and I just, I really loved basketball because I went and watched the Lakers practice at Loyola. It was well, awesome. The only... Uh, people allowed in the gym when the Lakers were practicing were the varsity basketball players. Mm. So I was able to get in the gym. And how I met Jerry West was practice was over. Mm-hmm. And Grody saw me. And Grody knew I was a volleyball player. And he played a little volleyball. And he said, Wayne, let's let's play some volleyball. So we were setting the net up. And Jerry West was down at the other end just shooting around after practice. And he stopped, put the ball in his arm, came down and said to Jerry Grody, hey, this looks like fun. Can you teach me how to do this? Really? And Grody said, I can't, but he can. He pointed at me. And so that's how I met him. And we've, we've been friends ever how since. How cool is that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Was he, uh, did he take to it? He was, bounce, he was bouncing balls into the ceiling uh, when he timed it correctly. His ball control passing was, was a little suspect. But in 15 minutes, he was, you know, he had, I'm guessing he had close to a 38, 37 a crazy vert. vertical. Yeah. And he was, when he timed it, he would literally was, and he got, he really enjoyed doing that. He <laughs> of liked, course. He liked that. Did, how did you pick up the sport? I mean, uh, you know, you told the story that that was my uh, cousin. So I, right. I, I hadn't <laughs> mentioned that so far, that you're married to one of my uh, dearest and uh, leaders of my family, Tina Boley, um, uh, Tina Lennon. And so, um, but her older brother introduced you to the sport? Yes. Well, I played in, in high school. It was a, it was a sport that we all dab- dabbled in, and uh, there was no high school teams in those days. We dabbled in it. We used to go to the place called The Wall, mm. which was in Santa Monica. There was a hotel that had a pool. I can't remember the name of it. Mm. Right, you remember Honest John's? Yeah, I do. Right, down the street from Honest John's, closer to Pico, there was yeah. a, there was yeah. a place where the Culver High kids congregated <laughs> in the <laughs> okay. summer, and we would started playing some, some beach volleyball. So I played a little bit there. Okay. And... Um, uh, played a little bit in my senior year in high school, but it wasn't until my uh, freshman and freshman year in college did, that I started. Did Culver playing. City have any kind of team, or was it no, like more like a no, P nothing. class or after school nothing. or it something? Was, there was yeah. nothing. It was just they had a tournament, a two-man tournament, sure. that they had, and uh, it was won by John Arndt, <laughs> who was a teacher. John okay. Arndt and a and a girl. Okay, he yeah. beat, he beat all of us. So oh, that's. That's how I. That's how that's, I picked this. That, that's how you picked it up. Um, also, around this time, I guess you're what a senior when you're going to meet your future wife. No, no, no. I met no? her. 
I after you graduated? As a, as a, no, as a sophomore. Oh, as a sophomore. Uh huh. So that's um, it's an interesting um story. The meeting of her, or yeah. when we went to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Which, which I was going to slide in easy, right. but I like how you cut I, to the chase. She, <laughs> she came. I was a member of the Teak, Teak fraternity. We had an open house, and uh, Ted and Peggy, her mom and dad, brought her to the open house. And I saw her and and asked who you know if, if she would be willing to to go out on a date. And sorry, let me turn that off. Right. Danny Bowley. Hmm. And they said yes. So. That was it. We started dating my sophomore year and uh, got married um, December, uh, the December following my graduation. So she would come to probably to your basketball, volleyball games all, and the like? She would come to all the games. I noticed something from when you used to play volleyball. Yeah. One, I'd like to compliment you on your technique. Thank you. It's pretty solid. Um, what's up with the over-officiating on one side of the court where they would that's, have an up and a down. That's how the, they that's how they did it for some right? reason, yeah, in those days. Which was this man never called anything <laughs> with reference to unders or nets. Uh he would call nets occasionally. Yeah. But um he was in he, he was in charge of that. And could you penetrate the over the net or you had to block straight up and down as not, a blocker? Well, depends on the year. Yeah. Um, and I can't Oh it changed when. in your yeah, in your competition. Yeah. There was one year where you could not block over, so everybody would, have, would go up and soft block. I, I kind of remember hands, having to do that in beach. Put their hands this way. Well, the beach yeah. was like that for a long for time. For a long time. Had you been able to block over on the beach, I would have been much better than, than I was. So you're a um, young married guy, and uh, I think you got your teaching credential at Long Beach State? I did. I went to Long Beach State to oh. work on a teaching credential and a master's degree. I cut you off on something. Could you... Yeah. Um, how did you end up in jail? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, all right. So we are uh, at a fraternity party, and this is a this is a great this this would make a great story uh, or scene in a movie. So we're down in Manhattan Beach at a fraternity party. Okay. And I'm with Tina, my wife, and my, then my girlfriend, and one of my other fraternity brothers is with another girl that went to her high school, and my wife does not did not she doesn't drink. So we decided to take a walk down on the Strand, and I put two cans of beer in her purse. And I was holding an open can. My fraternity brother was holding an open can. We walked out of the house, took about five steps, and these lights hit us. And uh, it was a police officer, and they arrested us for possession of alcohol as a minor. Wow. And, and of course, my wife doesn't drink. So now I won't tell you about the, the details of what happened. Why I ended up, I ended up having because of my loudmouth friend, we ended up not getting to make a call until about three thirty in the morning. Oh goodness! Um, so now it's time to show up in court, and I had, had never met her father, and this was you know I, I had taken her out maybe three times, and um, we show up in court. My father and me, uh, my fraternity brother and his dad, this other girl and her dad and Tina and. <laughs> Uncle Ted. Your Uncle Ted. Now, as we're standing there, a man in a suit comes up and says, are you the kids that were arrested for alcohol possession? And we said, yes. And he said, for $35, I will get you off. So my dad forks out the 35 The other two fathers 
and Ted says, my daughter needs to learn a lesson. Oh, yep. And she is not, now she's the only one who wasn't drinking. She was the only one who not drinking. And she, we all she pled, was a mule though. We all pled not guilty. The case got dismissed. The judge dismissed it based on something the attorney did. She pled guilty with an explanation, trying to tell the judge, I don't drink, but the cans were, she had her, she was found guilty and put on probation until she was 21. So she had a record. She was the only one who didn't drink. I did not know she yeah. was, dang, I, I got to look at her in a whole different light now. But I will tell you this, that one of the, the third toughest thing I've had to do in my entire life was to go to their house and knock on the door and ask him if I could take her out again. I was, oh, I was shaking when I, when I knocked on How did door. he go through those? You know, he handled it pretty well. Thanks to Ted. Uh, Ted, I think, helped me a lot by telling his, his dad that he's an okay guy and it's not like you think and et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, having 13 kids in the family. Uh, <laughs> they did have 13 I'm sure kids. He, he ran uh, into yeah, plenty of that. I'm sure he had enough, enough uh, information to help uh, me with my cause. You mentioned, uh, you said <laughs> the third toughest thing. Yeah, the third toughest thing. The, the first, the first toughest thing, I think, would have to be when I buried my son, mm. uh, uh, who uh, we found out in the eighth month of pregnancy that that um, uh, he was not alive, mm-hmm. and Tina had to deliver the child stillborn, mm-hmm. and then I had to, to carry this little box with mm. uh, was it Monsignor Wade. Somebody mm-hmm. from St. Mark's and then Tina couldn't even go. She was too distraught. Wow. And um, yeah, the second, the second toughest thing I think was was I, I can I can remember was uh, taking the bar exam mm-hmm. and stressing over that. So those are the those are those are, those are, those are my are top moments. Those are my top three. Now it's time for an installment of As Time Goes By where we get to know Carlos Haro Jr. of Casablanca Restaurant in Venice, one minute at a time. Now, let's play it again with Carlos Jr. All right. <clears throat> this is uh, this involved props, Sienna. There's a uh, time in the movie where uh, Berger shows Victor Laszlo a ring that he wants to sell. Uh-huh. But he shows him this particular ring right here. And this indicates to Rick, uh, to uh, Laszlo, that Berger is part of uh, the movement. Uh-huh. So can you tell me what this ring is and what movement we're talking about? Is this the French uh, resistance? Very good. Do you know this ring? No. Protects soldiers in war. It's called the Cross of St. Lorraine. Oh, wow. Yeah. You like that? Oh, I went deep. I went deep you, into you my did, prop did, department. Did. It's also the ring that... Um, Magnum P.I. and all his buddies <laughs> wear in <laughs> Vietnam to protect themselves in war. Okay. So th- then when I saw that in the movie, I was like, what the heck? Okay. All right. You almost got that one. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is supported by the AAU. Find a local event and join at aausports.org. And remember, you can catch your favorite amateur sports live stream, replays, and highlights at ballertv.com. Sports Stories, along with East Bay, supports the Heroes Movement, a nonprofit that bridges the gap from mental or physical therapy to getting strong again through strength and conditioning workouts. This free service is available for any veteran of the United States Armed Forces. Visit heroesmovementusa.org for more information. Sports Stories, along with thousands of people across the country, 
also supports the My Stuff Bags Foundation, a nonprofit that provides traumatized children with new belongings and new hope. Learn more at mystuffbags.org. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is a production of Sports Stories, Inc. and is available on Apple Podcasts and YouTube or wherever you listen and watch. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. It really helps spread the word. You can find all our social media links, archives, and other info on our website at sportsstoriespodcast.com. Special thanks to the John R. Wooden Course and Wooden's Wisdom. Original music for Sports Stories is courtesy of Lennon Music Productions. Original images by Sienna Lennon Photography. Sports Stories is produced by Christine Jimbo and Marley Rice. Sports Stories is edited by Bob McCall. Additional staff include Ray Castro, Teresa Dolan, Jake Downey, Carlos Haro, and Buck Magic Lennon. Okay, okay I'm, I'm in, in control, control now. now. Sports, Sports Stories. Stories. Damn it. Sports, Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Catch, catch it at the five. Or I will catch you when, when you least expect it. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Don't, Don't forget, forget, five o'clock. COVID-19. Oh, I swear I am clean at this moment. Sports story means everything. <laughs> See, See what, what I did there? there? Bye. Check it out, book.